Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up. It is our wrap-up show for the week at BavarianFootballWorks.com where we cover all of the week's big issues and uh, we can get right to everything. I am, uh, one, just want to say, uh, you know, thanks to everybody for the patience last week. Uh, my schedule did not allow me to record or partner up with someone to uh, do a weekend warm-up podcast. So appreciate your patience on that. That will really rarely ever happen. It's the first time uh, in, I guess, 25 episodes that that's happened. So usually I can even find someone to cover for me, but it was just a uh, bad timing all around for the BFW staff. So uh, that kind of ties into where I want to go with this because I'm recording this on Thanksgiving night. Um, typically I'll record these uh, depending on who I'm partnering up with or if I'm flying solo at some point on a Thursday so that we are as close to uh, the latest and greatest news we can possibly be. Uh, but I did want to start by saying uh, just a big thanks to the staffers at BFW for all that they do on the site, all the great podcasts that they put out, uh, just in general, all of the contributions that they make. Obviously, we have a very deep roster of talented writers and podcasters who go above and beyond to not just uh, cover Bayern Munich in Germany better than I think anyone else on the web, but also, uh, you know, really connect with the community, which is a big part of what we do. Uh, obviously, being a, an SBN site, uh, we are community driven. So the more we interact with you guys out there in the community, the more we like it, the better things are. The open dialogue is always good. So, um, you know, it's obviously, uh, <laughs> um, you know, a great thing for us to have these multiple platforms to connect with you guys on. So I uh, just want to say thanks to, again, the staffers, to the community members, any listeners out there. Uh, you know, your support for BFW is, uh, is immense, to be honest. It carries our site. So uh, we hope that we are, you know, providing you with the content that you like to read and listen to. Um, so, you know, I, I can, I guess I can kick things off with really just a, a small sampling of my day and what Thanksgiving typically entails for me. Uh, I guess this probably goes back. I want to say, oh man, it might be like 23 or 24 years now where I had uh, started to meet up with friends on Thanksgiving morning and uh, we kind of made it a drinking holiday. So before I was married, before I had kids, I would get together with friends. Instead of going out the night before Thanksgiving, we would go out in the morning of. So uh, for example, what I did today was I woke up uh, by about, I'm going to say like 6.30 or so, is at my friend's house. Uh, we started to drink some beers. We were doing some car bombs, you know, all the stuff that we probably shouldn't be doing at that time and all the stuff that I'm probably too old to be doing anytime. Uh, so we had some fun with that. Uh, after that, uh, took a ride share over to our local pub and, uh, you know, had a good time there. Did a lot of uh, action outside because of obviously the COVID concerns, but I, you know, did have to go inside the bar to, you know, get some beers or go to the bathroom or whatever. So it was, uh, you know, that's typically how the early part of my day goes every Thanksgiving. So some Thanksgivings, it's been really challenging, especially before I had kids where, um, you know, I was really in the bag. Uh, today wasn't so bad. Like I was, yeah, I was definitely feeling it. 
uh, definitely wasn't operating at 100%. But, uh, you know, having the kids and the wife kind of put some pressure on you to pull it together. So I can't say I've been successful in doing that every year. But I was fairly successful today made it to my in-laws for Thanksgiving dinner and uh, have survived long enough into the day to be recording this at night. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I really look forward to Thanksgiving every year. And, uh, you know, it's it to me, it's you know, I don't get to do the morning drinking all that often. So to go out and kind of hit it hard in the morning and then trying to reel it back in and get myself together <laughs> for the rest of the day is always a challenge, but I think I, I'm up to it every year. So another year in the books for me on Thanksgiving, I made it through uh, dinner without passing out or falling asleep. So that is always a plus um, and didn't generally didn't embarrass myself in front of my wife's family. So there you go. I am a winner on the day. But uh, now that we've gotten that part out of the way, we can take a look at, you know, obviously the big news um, for Bayern Munich this weekend. You can't really talk about what's going on with Byron at this stage without talking about COVID-19, which is one of my least favorite subjects, but one that keeps just cropping up more and more. Uh, unfortunately, it, it, it appears to be an outbreak uh, on Sabiner Strasse, and uh, you know, multiple players have tested positive. We have multiple staff members, it seems, have tested positive. And generally, uh, you know, how this is all working is those who are vaccinated have obviously a lesser chance for adverse effects from uh, testing positive, uh, but also have a quicker turnaround to come back. So um, that in and of itself has been the major issue, because as we know, Yashua Kimmich uh, was one of Bayern's five unvaccinated players, obviously one of the most key members of the team. And you know, this week he tested positive. So all of the controversy that was swirling around the team before that positive test is really kind of amplified. And it's, it's a shame because, you know, as I said in the, in the post game show after the Dinamo Kiev game that, you know, regardless of how you feel or what your politics are or any of that, if you just look at it from a sporting perspective, what Kimmich is doing is, is not just, um, detrimental to himself probably, but detrimental to the team at this point. Uh, if there is one player who Bayern does not have an adequate replacement for, other than Robert Lewandowski, you could probably argue Joshua Kimmich is the second most that you have learned that there were five players that were unvaccinated. We've had this feeling like, okay, great. If you miss a game against Dinamo Kiev in the Champions League, no big deal, right? Because you should beat them anyway. But what happens if you start to miss key games? And Bayern Munich's schedule coming up is really no joke. So this weekend they have Arminia, Bielefeld, and we all know that should be a W no matter what. Uh, with or without Kimmich, uh, Bayern are just too deep, too talented, and they're at home. So this should be a win, and you know Bayern can skate free without Kimmich for this game and be okay. Next week, however, is a key match in the Bundesliga as Bayern will visit Borussia Dortmund and what could be a key match. Now, Dortmund is facing its own injury problems as they have uh, Erling Haaland, who I guess many people do not expect to play, but some are saying there is a chance he could suit up. Uh, Torgan Hazard has reportedly tested positive for COVID-19 as well. So there will be a depleted Dortmund squad, but 
Uh, Bayern Munich can't really afford to take anyone lightly. And let's be honest, for as good as they've looked at times here in the early part of the season, they have not looked that great as of late. So they are taking care of business in some games. And that's what they should do uh, to go into Kiev and, and win that match. Again, something they should do. But, you know, they didn't look all that great in doing it. And, and sometimes there's a call for that. So not, you don't have to look like a dominant force in every game. But I think we're starting to see some cracks in what Byron is doing. And without having the consistency in the lineup of players like Kimmich or Gnabry, who have both been out, or having a valuable sub like Jamal Musiala, I think that what we're seeing is for this system to work, and, and it's very complex, and I'm sure it's not super easy for the players to adjust to, uh, I think that you need your key players available, particularly Yashua Kimmich, because he plays such a role as a defensive midfielder, as being really a keystone linking the defense to the offense in this formation. And as we know, Julian Nagelsmann keeps calling it a 4-2-3-1, but it is just a disguise. It's a ruse. It's really a back three. It mostly looks to me like a 3-4-2-1 with Leroy Sané typically tucked in a little tighter. So uh, with that, I think that, you know, Kimmich, uh, he's got some choices to make here. And I don't know that the pressure is not going to, make him cave on whatever personal stance he has, because at this point, Bayern Munich is definitely one of the favorites for the Champions League, obviously a favorite for the Bundesliga as well. But for him to miss any more time or even have the risk of missing key matches in the second half of the season, it could be really disastrous, not just for the team, but also for his reputation, which, you know, his reputation, I think, has taken a hit through all of this. And I'm not going to bring politics into it. I'm, I, I could care less what anybody's feelings are on the matter in terms of whether you should take the jab or whether you shouldn't. That's really none of my business. I'm, <laughs> I'm a uh, blogger and a podcaster here, and I'm not really one that's, you know, going to spout my personal views on anything to you guys because you're not here for that. But what I think Kimmich needs to do is really assess his own situation and think about the risk reward factor here. And, you know, the one thing I will criticize people on uh, throughout this and whether they take the vaccination or they don't is, well, I I need time to do my research. I mean, uh, let's be honest, like who's really actually investing that much time to do the research, right? Whether you got it or not, you know, (laughs) you're not really doing a ton of research into it, right? Like at least not the amount that you need to, to make a really educated decision, right? So I took the vaccination and you know, did I know everything about it when I took it? No, but what I did was, and whether it was foolish or not, was I wanted to to take the chance to do something that was going to help my life get back on track and as normal as it could possibly be in these times. And if taking the vaccination was what I needed to do, I decided that was how it was going to be for me. So that was my decision, right? I'm also not a uh, athlete in my mid twenties. I wish I was, um, you know, who's you know, body is his temple, right? Like this is how he makes his money. He needs to keep it in the best possible shape. He needs to take care of it in every aspect, including what he puts into his body. So I think we can all agree that it is a very important, very, very important subject for Yashua Kimmich. And, you know, his reservations on that, while, you know, 
not good for the team, maybe not good for his teammates. I can see that part of his brain thinking, well, I don't know what I'm putting into my body. My body is how I make my living. If I ruin my body, then, you know, I have an issue. But the problem is, you know, and this is where I kind of part ways with him is saying he needs to do more research because I, I don't have that kind of time in my life. I don't know what a, a top caliber athlete, what kind of time he has to really do in-depth research, or even if he has, you know, the capability to understand the medical complexities that go into the vaccination, which I clearly do not. And I wouldn't assume to say that I did. But where this all becomes interesting for Bayern Munich is if he continues to opt out of getting the vaccination, there is a distinct possibility we're going to keep seeing this. And he's already missed probably a lot more time than anyone would like. And with this, he also kind of puts everyone else on the team at risk with his status. So to me, this is just a really unique time in sport, right? No matter what you're playing, whether it's American football, whether it's football, hockey, baseball, whatever, uh, these players have an important choice to make. And it's affecting not just themselves, but the people around them. And there is no book to tell you how to handle this. There's no way to really know what the best thing is to do. So for me, as I look at this situation, I look at Kimmich, and I hope that he puts some thought into it one way or the other, and he figures out what's best for him. I hope he talks to medical professionals. I hope he talks to immunologists or whoever would be uh, a good subject matter expert for him to speak with on this topic, because I think he does need some guidance here. I think he needs to figure it out. And, and I do think that Bayern Munich at some point is going to put its foot down, which I'm sure a lot of the teams operating in leagues around the world are going to have to do because it's just a risk. I mean, risking one asset is bad enough. You know, teams like to view players as assets. Risking an entire roster of assets because one player won't get vaccinated is an issue probably. So from a, a completely sporting perspective, I'm hoping that Yashua Kimmich can figure things out, do what he needs to do to help the team, help get himself back on track. And hopefully he does not have any lingering effects from COVID-19 because we've seen some athletes still suffering from this weeks and weeks later. So, um, you know, for Kimmich, who I, I will, you know, admit is one of probably my favorite players to watch on the team because he's so passionate he does so much. He's so tough on the pitch. And I just love this level of skill that he brings. It's, it's disappointing from that perspective for a player who is considered a future leader, a future captain in the squad to, uh, to not, really be able to buy in what the rest of the team is doing. But again, who am I to tell him what to do? I just hope he makes the consideration to figure things out for himself one way or the other, does the ample uh, or does the proper research and talks to the proper people to get himself in line with how he's going to proceed because and this is probably going to be bad for him for a long time in terms of the media coverage and the pressure and everything. So even if he's back and he's healthy, uh, he's going to be under scrutiny, and I don't know, I don't know how anybody reacts when you you have just the media from everywhere, you know, beating down on you to do something you might not be fully bought into. So, this will be a very interesting situation to see play out. I hope that, from a sporting perspective, he can get it together, and Bayern Munich can find a way to work through this pandemic. It just is crazy to see how many players and staff members have been affected just over the past two to three weeks. It's it's just really. It's a shame. 
It's a shame. Uh, so now on to some 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 lighter topics and and uh, you know when we look at at the schedule and that's kind of really important at this point like whether you're, you're factoring in the COVID nineteen nonsense that's going on or not the next few games are key and like we like talked about earlier Armenia Bielefeld that should be a win for Bayern then you have the Dortmund game then you face off with a home game with Barca which we will touch on in a second. Uh, uh, another matchup with Mainz, and then two games to finish off the Hinrunde with VfB Stuttgart and Wolfsburg. So the big match to me, obviously Dortmund's a huge one for the Bundesliga. Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg's another big one. But it, you really want to look at that uh, Barcelona match. And Bayern has the chance to, to really <laughs> step on Barcelona and make life really difficult for them uh, in terms of how they are operating as a club. Uh, we all know that Barca is uh, going through some things financially. They've uh, you know, had a coaching change. There are, there's you know rumors that there will be mass upheaval on the roster. Uh, just things are not going swimmingly in Barca by any means. So uh, this match is is kind of fun and key for a few reasons. Uh, first, when we look at it, there is the action that could happen before the match. Uh, we've seen that Bayern Munich has uh, had some talks reportedly with FC Barcelona over a couple players. Now, some of them are are not likely to to really advance. So if we look at the three players who have been most closely linked to Bayern Munich, obviously you start with Pedri, who there is zero way that Barcelona is going to let him go. He is young, and I think he's got rumored to have like a, a $1 billion release clause. Like, who the hell would pay that for anyone? But um, Gavi, who, uh, again, another young midfielder who has uh, really impressed a lot of people and done a lot of good things. He's much more attainable at uh, what is rumored to be a 50, 50 million euro uh, uh, release fee or at least asking price. So apologies if I said dollars, I meant Euro earlier, but, uh, and then the most interesting one because of the previous links to Bayern Munich, and that's Frankie de Jong, who uh, reportedly was the subject of talks earlier this season between Barca and Bayern. Apparently de Jong has, has I don't want to say he's fallen out of favor because it seems like, you know, he's still considered a key player there, but Barca has so many younger options. It's younger. De Jong is still young. But they have so many young options in the midfield that it can afford to probably sell one of their assets to help generate some revenue for a club that is desperately in need of it. So do I think De Young will make the move to Bayern Munich either in the winter or the summer? No, I honestly don't because I don't think Bayern can make it work. Uh, you know, Barring Joshua Kimmich declaring he's never getting vaccinated uh, and Bayern feeling like they need another top caliber player <laughs> to, to cover for uh, Kimmich. I can't see Byron working out because I can't see them dumping as much money as they would probably need to bring in De Jong. Look, I like him. I think he's a skilled playmaker. I think he's just so calm and collected on the ball. I think he would fit in at Byron. In fact, I think he'd be a great addition to Byron. But I kind of feel the same way about him as I did about Marcel Sabitzer. Where do you play him? And how does he get enough time to, to one, maintain his current form? And two, keep him happy. And I just don't think it can happen because when you have Yashua Kimmich and you have Leon Goretzka and you still currently have Quarantan Taliso and Marcel Sabitzer, 
I mean, how do you make them all have, you can't, it's impossible. You know, we obviously know that Toliso is, is most likely going to leave after the season. Sabitzer, I would say his future is in doubt as well, because even though he's just gotten here, it just seems like things are not working out for him. And whether that means he needs to go to another team or try and work his way back to Leipzig, I don't know. Working, I'm not saying I want him gone because I don't, because I think he can be successful here. I don't know how much patience Sabitzer has to stay here. And why should he, to be honest? I mean, he is a starting caliber player on most teams in Europe, in my opinion. He just happens to be at the one club that has two of the best central midfielders on earth. So uh, for Sabitzer's sake, I hope things start to turn around for him. I think the more poor performances that he has and that are strung together, it's going to be harder for him to recover and really establish himself at Bayern Munich. But tying this all back to, to young, I just can't see it happening. Uh, and, you know, if we look at that matchup and we, we, we take away all of the rumored meetings that are going to happen about transfers, this is a really great opportunity for Bayern to push Barcelona out of the Champions League with a win and a Benfica win over Dinamo Kiev, which is, it's entirely possible that that could happen. Barcelona could miss out on the Champions League, which would be, um, you know, in my estimation, a great thing uh, to see Barca go to the uh, Europa League group stage. That would be excellent. Uh, but it would also kind of send a message that Bayern is, is still, they still have things together. Uh, that they are still in control of everything. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of doubt with that, I think, around the team. So uh, right now, it's just one of those things where Bayern needs to go and have a strong performance, not just for themselves, but also to kind of push Barca down. Because let's let's be honest as well, the Bundesliga has not done well in the Champions League. And uh, I'm sure that there'll be a lot of Farmers League talk going on everywhere. RB Leipzig will not advance. Uh, Dortmund will not advance, or at least is not likely to advance. Actually, yeah, I think they're actually done. And then, uh, you know, Wolfsburg has not been great either. So this has been a really poor showing for the Bundesliga. I'm sure, like I said, we'll hear a lot of Farmers League talk. And, uh, you know, I think Bayern needs to go out and knock somebody off their off their pedestal, and that would be great to see Barca have to go down and play the Europa League. So that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, looking for a little Bundesliga pride to to show up and make that happen. But, uh, you know, to me, that's the, the biggest game on the schedule coming up. And I think that should be Bayern's focus as much as the Dortmund match is, is going to be a tough one. Uh, I think you go out and you step on Barca. I think you have to. I think that's what's best for Bayern and what's best for the league as well. Uh, you know, some of the other things that have come up this week, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of talk about Antonio Rudiger and Nicholas Sula and the first offer to Sula and how that has worked out. Um, you know, there are really no updates that I think what fans really want to see is, uh, you know, how Sula reacts to that offer and if he will have more discussions, if he will accept it or if he's going to move on, which with it being late November now, we're going to get a clear picture from Sula very soon on what he wants to do. Uh, again, I, I've stated it many times. I think Bayern Munich needs to bring him back. I think they should bring him back. I think it's it's it would be a big mistake to let him go, but I don't know that it's in their hands anymore. I think they want him back. I think Julian Nagelsmann wants him back. 
but I don't know if he is fully willing to come back, especially uh, if this, whatever this formation is or isn't, if it continues to be a two center back formation, Sula might be counting numbers. If, if Nagelsmann does officially make this switch to a three center back formation, I think Sula would probably feel a lot more comfortable about his standing on the team. And it's kind of crazy to me that, that he would even uh, have any doubt about it, but I can see why he would because Upamakano was a, you know, a big transfer signing. He's going to get opportunity. I mean, Luca Hernandez is the record transfer signing for Bayern Munich. So he's obviously getting his opportunities. And uh, you know, if there are just two center backs and you're the third wheel, and you think you're a, a you know a lead dog, then you probably want to be somewhere else, which is exactly why I look at players like Sabitzer and Tolisso and think the same thing. Like, why would you stay at Bayern Munich if you want to be a lead dog somewhere? You're not going to be able to really establish that. So, uh, you know, we'll keep our, our eyes on that. We'll see what happens. But uh, something tells me there's a lot more left to the story. Uh, I guess lastly, the the final thing that we're going to hit on uh, will be the recent rumors that we saw about Bayern Munich finally having come to a decision on how they will proceed in trying to uh, field a squad <laughs> uh, after Robert Lewandowski decides to move on or retire or whatever. Uh, it, it's kind of an interesting news bit because uh, the story we saw uh, stated that Bayern Munich has decided on Fiorentina's Dusan Vlahovic as the striker that they would like to succeed, Robert Lewandowski. And it's kind of interesting because, uh, you know, Vlahovic obviously is a big talent. Youngster uh, has just immense ability, a, a great touch and nose for the goal. Uh, I think that, you know, he makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways as a striker who could eventually and potentially match up in some sort of way to Lewandowski. Obviously, there is only one Lewandowski. There is no one on earth better than him. It's very hard to imagine someone's going to get to his level anytime soon. But uh, Vlahovic has the body type and the skill set that maybe could allow him to be a reasonable facsimile of Robert Lewandowski at some point. Now, if you're like me, you've been kind of hoping that Byron would be able to secure Erling Haaland and find a way to make it work with Lewandowski and Haaland because who the hell wouldn't like to see those two operating together and, uh, you know, actually even working in tandem with Thomas Muller to be just an absolutely fearsome threesome to lead the attack. But let's just assume that that move for Haaland is not going to happen. Uh, when you look at a potential move for Vlahovic, the first thing that I think at think about is how did they make this work? How do you go and you get this kid and you bring him in and make all of it work? So just let's live in the fantasy world that Bayern Munich is actually going to procure Vlahovic from Fiorentina this summer and just just expand your mind here and work with me on this one. So let's just say that they did, and it's a reasonable price, and Bayern can afford it. Uh, but it presents you the issue that Lewandowski is likely not going anywhere anytime soon. I think it's pretty safe to assume that the club is going to work to extend Lewandowski so that he will be with Bayern Munich even longer. So that being the case, if you were able to uh, procure Vlahovic, what would you do? So my plan would be, if this actually happened, would be to take Vlahovic, loan him out for two years right away, uh, 
And there's a reason for that because I want him to develop. I want him to play at a top level. I want him to get more experience. I want him to continue to hone his skills. I like the idea of having him on Sabiner Strasse and working in that day-to-day environment with Byron's top team. That's probably cannot be measured in any type of value because it's so uh, it's so important for a player to be in that environment and to be able to play against top flight players all the time. The issue is he'll have little to no field time that would be significant. And what I need to see out of a player like him, if I'm going to invest in him, is I need to see him developing at a rate, one, that I'm comfortable with in practice and in training. But two, I need to see him developing in games. I need to see how he adapts, how he adjusts, and how he's able to continue on and really build himself up to eventually get to a level that is not Robert Lewandowski, but maybe a comparable level that could be a lead striker for a top tier squad like Bayern Munich. So um, that would be how I would handle it. Obviously we have no idea how this wall play out. There are so many factors going into this, you know, not the least of which is Lewandowski's own contract extension. You know, what others, what other clubs are interested in Vlahovic, which we've seen Juventus, we've seen Dortmund, uh, just among others, Manchester United. I mean, there are so many that want the kid, uh, I think it's going to be very difficult for Bayern Munich to get him. And it just seems like they're in a spot right now where, you know, they're trying to plan for the future and keep the present afloat because there's so much promise in the here and now with this team over the next, you know, not just this season, but maybe even two seasons after this. So, um, you know, there's a lot that's going to go on. I know there's a lot of pressure internally at Bayern Munich on how they can get the best, uh, you know, get the best players into Germany and keep them there. And, uh, you know, without being able to develop a lot of them on their own, like it, it's been very tough for Bayern Munich in recent years to, to get those top tier players developed on campus uh, without having that built in kind of uh, crutch, they're going to go out, ha- have to go out and procure these types of players. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that Vlahovic rumor and see if there's anything to it. I'm still a little skeptical that it happens because I just think there's too much competition for him. And while, you know, my, I think my plan is pretty solid. And if, if they were to get him into loaning him right out, uh, I just don't think it's going to play out that way. I think he's going to, you know, I hate to say this. I think he's going to make a jump somewhere uh, where he probably won't fit in right away. Very similar to what happened with Luka Jovic in uh, with Real Madrid. I just don't think that was, you know, a great move for him. I, you know, at the time I thought it would be great for him, but he did not continue to, to develop like I thought he would. And I, it scares me a little with Vlahovic because I think that he is very comfortable at Fiorentina. And while he may have big goals and want to play at a bigger club, he certainly uh, needs to continue to develop. So from that, I think we'll, we'll sign off again. Thanks for bearing with me last week. I had an insane travel schedule, insane work schedule. And, uh, you know, I, I don't like missing a show, but uh, it was one of those times where I had to. So uh, you can always uh, keep in touch with me on social media, on Twitter, at the Barrel Blog. You can get our site at Bavarian FB Works. Uh, you can get Tom at, at Tommy Adam 71 You can get I Need No Name at B-F-W-I-N-N-N. And you can always get Jake at Jefferson Fenner. So, hey, thanks again for listening. And, and please take heed in, in what I said earlier about, uh, you know, me personally being thankful for all of the BFW staffers and for all of you listeners and BFW community members, the people that read our posts. 
Uh, we really couldn't exist without you guys. So thanks again, and we will catch up and see you next time.